This week on the Road to Cinema podcast, comedian, actor, and filmmaker Polly Shore will discuss his career as a stand-up comic, his love for acting, as well as his passion for filmmaking, which includes a discussion on a new documentary Polly is directing on his career in comedy and show business, and his brand new series, The Polly Shore Podcast Show, which is now available on Crackle, a streaming channel which is available on Apple TV, Roku, and other streaming devices. Visit jogroadproductions.com to learn more about the Road to Cinema podcast and to read the Road to Cinema blog. You can also follow us on Twitter at Jog Road, Instagram at Jog Road Productions, like our Facebook page, Jog Road Productions. You can also subscribe to Jog Road Productions on YouTube and check out some of our video interviews with Don Cheadle, Hewan McGregor, Greta Gerwig, and many more, including Moon Zappa, who shares her insights on a new documentary about her father called Eat That Question, Frank Zappa in his own words. And remember, the Road to Cinema podcast is on iTunes. You can hit that subscribe button to get a new episode downloaded to your mobile device every week. And you can also write us a nice review on the iTunes podcast page under the Road to Cinema podcast. And now we join our conversation with Polly Shore. And remember, you can check out his new series, The Polly Shore Podcast Show, featuring interviews with Judd Apatow, Bob Saget, Brett Ratner, and many more on the Crackle streaming channel available on Apple TV, Roku, the App Store, and many other streaming devices. So I thought we could talk a little bit about the comedians that you saw growing up. Which ones had the most significant impact? Judy Tenuta. <laughs> she was my favorite with her fucking baton or whatever. I don't know. I think they all, I took a piece of all of them with me, you know, like... I know Sam Kinison, uh, you had talked about at one time, was a big influence on you. Mm -hmm. You were around quite a bit. Yeah. um, I don't know. I mean, you know, the people that aren't famous were were influenced me, too. I mean, there's a lot of people that a lot of people don't know. You know what I mean? Uh, People who didn't really make make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think everyone was an influence on me. Uh, Lenny Schultz was a big influence on me. You probably don't know him, right? Uh, no. Yeah. no. Who was Lenny Schultz? Lenny Schultz was a guy that was before Gallagher, before Carrot Top, before all those guys. He used to like do a lot of props and he would, um, he would always, uh, uh, you know, take off all his clothes and go down to his Speedos and he did a thing called the Lenny Schultz diet. And he sa- he always said like, if he ever, he says there's a lot of diets he says, but, uh, you know, you know, and you're supposed to eat good food. He goes, what I do is I put food on the body, parts of my body that I want to lose weight. So he'll put like cottage cheese in his balls. And, you know, I was a kid. So, and he's just insane. But watching all these comedians growing up being here in the comedy store, I mean, were you thinking about a career or were you, I know your mother sometimes had discouraged you. Is that correct? Or um, Well, you know, comedy is one of the, like I have two brothers and a sister, and they're not into it, so they grew up in it as well, and it didn't really affect them. You know what I mean? So comedy yeah. is one of those things that it's either in you or it's not in you. But I've always been in, into entertaining. You know, I was in, 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 in high school, I was in the dance company, so like I was always doing something for entertainment, and then I was always kind of naturally, I guess, naturally funny growing up as a kid. And then I, um, it was kind of like it's my destiny, kind of, yeah. Well, I knew uh, you'd done a lot of acting roles. Like I was looking back, you, mm-hmm. had, you were on St. Elsewhere, you were on 21 Jump Street, you had done yeah. a movie with Molly Ringwald. Yeah. 
Uh, what were you? Hugh Hudson. Oh, Hugh Hudson. You were Hugh doing Hudson. that with uh, Adam, Adam Horowitz. Sand- yeah, yeah, Adam. Yeah, yeah, Adam Horowitz. Yeah, I said almost Adam Sandler. <laughs> <coughs> no, it was. You know, it was. It was just such a fun time. You know, it was like uh, you know the the eighties. You know, Sunset Strip and like acting and music yeah. and like it was like Oingo Boingo and Psychedelic Furs and Molly Ringwall. It was like John. You know, John. Uh, John um, John Hughes films were yeah. very big, you know, an influence on me. I was obsessed with Molly Ringwall, <laughs> and um, you know, Breakfast Club and Sixteen Candles, and and um, you know, I was you know hanging out with Donovan Leach and, and Ioni Sky and Patricia Arquette and Baltazar Getty, and and we all kind of like you know grew up in this you know in this really cool kind of environment. It was so innocent. The eighties were so innocent. Like everyone got fucked up and was having a good time, but like as far as like the business, you know, it was people were just having fun, you know. It was a lot more. Yeah. People weren't thinking as much. People were just kind of doing. You well, know? today everybody is so strategic with their right. social media and kind of opportunistic. In it's a way. fucked. I mean, yeah. I'm really. I think the business is terrible right now. I really do. I think the whole. I mean, I think it's great that everyone can do something, but I also think it's really bad. That everyone can do something. Like, so much noise out there to really exactly. distinguish yourself from everybody else is right. more difficult than ever There's before. There's so much, and it's like you know, I mean, you know, it's it, like I said, I think it's really good about the way the social media stuff is, and I think it's really bad. I don't think we have a choice, and I think we have to embrace it, and we have to try to figure out a way to break through. Um, well, I always feel like the best way is to do lots of different things. Well, that's really... Yeah, but that's our only choice. Yeah. It's not the best way. It's all we have. The best way now. I mean, I think That's all we have. You know, like I say, like, you know, if I speak at USC and I'm talking to kids, I'm like, do everything. Act, direct, you know, comedy, you know, edit, graphics. Well, what's, you know, great about you looking at your career at a certain point, you started directing, you started making your own content. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering what sparked you to do that was it just out of necessity or was it something that you were striving to do i think it's it was both i think that i put my my put myself and my career in a in a, a peculiar place you know after i did all my films and i had my run you know it was kind of like i you know i'd fired my agents and my managers i kind of wanted to be alone but then i had to it was almost like 9 11 like my whole career everything blew up you know what i mean and i had to like start over um, so I kind of was when I turned 30 was like kind of like when I really to me is when my second part of my career started you know which was yeah. kind of like making shit from scratch and um, I did Polly Shore's Dead and then ever since then I've just been producing directing paying for it acting you know doing my own thing and I, 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 I feel I'm really good at it I mean I feel like the stuff that I, I put out you know, if you watch my documentaries and you watch the stuffs on Crackle and you watch, you know, any of, you know, Polly Shore's Stands Alone or, or um, Politics or any of the stuff that I do, I spent a lot of time and I spent a lot of my own money on trying to make it really good. You know what I mean? Because I'm a, I'm very like kind of, a, I'm anal with my stuff, you know, and, yeah. and, um, and it's just kind of, you know, and you ask, is it out of necessity or I think it's both. It's like, you know, the phone wasn't ringing, you know, you're either going to sit in your bed and mope or you're going to be like, fuck it, I'm going to do my own thing. 
So that's what I've been doing. And it's, it's paid off and it's good, but it's also a grind. I'm 49 years old, you know what I mean? It would be nice to just be getting calls from my agents like, oh, they want you to co-star in this film for three weeks in Bolivia. You know what I mean? Yeah. And play like this really cool like killer. You know what I mean? Because it's like, I love acting. You know, that's my first... I think I love acting, acting more than anything. Comedy? Yeah, really. Yeah, I really love... I mean, I love stand-up, but I don't want to say I'm good at it and I don't want to say I'm bad at it. I'm, I want to say I've already done it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I've done it. Like, am I going to get better? I, I guess. Am I going to get worse off? Probably. I don't know. I mean, it's like I do it all the time. You know, but to find a role in something that is unexpected, that's fucking cool, you know, that people wouldn't... For you, would it be necessarily a comedy? Like or a could drama, it be yeah, like yeah. a drama. You know, it'd be something different. Like, I started acting before I did my stand-up. So for Keeps and 21 Jump Street, St. Elsewhere, yeah, that was way before... Drama, that. Yeah, yeah, that was before MTV. You know what I mean? And that's really who I am. I'm really an actor, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's where people know me from. People don't know me from my stand-up. It's not like people come to my shows on the road and go, fuck, you know, I saw you on your HBO special, your Netflix. I'm like, I don't have that shit. I have my movies and my documentaries yeah. and, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, they and say Encino Man. They say right, Biodome or whatever. Yeah, yeah, But uh, So when you look at today, I mean, are you thinking like, I would love to just find a role? Would that I would be, love to do yeah. something unexpected. Well, I, I listened to another interview you did where you talked about a documentary you were doing about your entire career. Yeah, I've been working on it for about three years. We have a finished first pass. It's about five and a half hours. Are so, you the director of it? Yeah, I'm the director of it. And I have a friend that's editing and producing with me. So it's just pretty much me, him, and then my assistant, Jacob. So it's all three of us. But the way we're doing is it's kind of Polly Shore's life, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Yeah. But it's also not just my life. It's also like the eras, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, 90s, like Beverly Hills, um, Sunset Strip, you know, the whole. It's really soaking into the atmosphere of that time. 100%. Yeah, it's fucking dope. It's really cool. Um, and the way I did it was, um, you know, there's so many different ways to do, to tell stories stylistically. Like, especially like documentaries, you know, you watch Netflix, there's so many different styles and not one's better than other. It's not like, oh, if you do people on camera testimonial style, like that's not better than this, but it's all what yeah. you prefer. But for me, what I wanted to do is because I have so much old footage and I have so much archive shit. I mean, when I was before the wheeze and before I was on MTV, when I had the hair, I used to fucking film everything. So I had fucking, I have like 200 tapes of just old stuff of wow. just personal shit so the way I did it is stylistically is I um, I just did it through all audio so it's kind of like the Amy Winehouse or the Sinatra documentary all old photos old videos sound bites but no one sees me now and all the people that I interview I have over 50 interviews in the can so everyone I interviewed is just audio like this. Yeah. So we will take the audio and we play it under old photos and old pictures. and We do sound ups and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And we tell the story. I'll show you the teaser, the sizzle reel. Um, we just finished it. It's about six minutes long. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty dope. Do you um, have a distributor or network? No, 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 no. Huh? I don't work that way. You know, you I kind of... pre-sell or no, anything no, no, like no, that? No, 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 no. I don't <laughs> work that way. I just try to make it really good. Yeah. take my time with it and then slowly start taking meetings and showing the trailer and 
I, I know a lot of people in town, so I just say, hey, you want to see this, blah, 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 and then, oh, and they're like, oh, shit, I know this guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. just kind of happens organically. Well, plus, too, you can have more creative control, you know, through the process where somebody isn't dictating yeah. to you. And plus, you don't want to, it's, you, you don't want to, you, it's not good to rush anything. You know what I mean? You don't want to be like, oh, I got to get it to the, people are always like, oh, I got Sundance is coming up. We got to, you know what? It's not about Sundance. It's about yeah. having it done when it's ready. And then whatever festival appears at that time, then try to get into that one. It could be Tribeca. It could be South by Southwest, right? Yeah, whatever's yeah, best for the film. At the time. It's yeah. always about what's best for the film. It's not like, oh, I got to get make that, you know what I mean? Yeah, because in the long run, the better the film is, the better, the more yeah. it benefits you, the more it benefits the audience. 100%, yeah. Who are some of the people that you've interviewed for the film? Oh, man. Well, I take it to this, uh, <coughs> everyone in my life in the 70s, 80s, 90s. So, um, Jeffrey Katzenberg. Oh, wow. Yeah, I have Who was a lot. at Disney when he did Encino Man yeah, and all those movies. Yeah, he's a fucking close friend of mine still to this day sweetheart fucking amazing executive great producer totally fun to work with you know totally trusted him um and uh, uh him i got uh doug herzog who used to run viacom who's my executive at mtv for many years and then michael rotenberg who runs three arts entertainment uh, who's my manager adam bennett who's one of the heads at wme and then tons of comics, Chris Rock, Bob Saget, Mark Maron, Louis Anderson, and then like uh, my ex-girlfriend, the playmate, who I had an abortion with. Her, uh, had another girlfriend of mine that found out was a call girl. Interview her, Heidi Fleiss, I don't know. It keeps going, there's 50 people. Yeah. Comics that raised me. I don't know, dude. So Every, you're really just soaking in the whole environment. 60s, weird, 70s, yeah. 80s, 90s, the whole thing. Because I love the uh, the Pauly Shore Stands Alone documentary mm-hmm. he did. Because I felt like that really showed this other side to you. People just know you from the persona mm-hmm. in the movies early on. The shtick. Yeah, just the shtick. But yeah, they yeah. don't know you behind that. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's a trap a lot of comedians run into. Uh, I mean, I think it's even a, Robin yeah. Williams to an extent hit that a lot. I mean, he was one of the best dramatic actors. But people just wanted him to be on all the time which was unfortunate it is and it isn't it's an interesting you know it's like I think David Spade once said it and I think I've said this before you work your whole career to come up with your come up with something and then you work your whole career to get away from that something but you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you you know what I mean you don't want to like if people are paying money to see the wheeze and they that's why they're there then you got to give them a little wheeze bro you know what I mean? You got to have fun with it. Yeah. You know, you can't take yourself so serious with it, you know? Like, I just did Comic-Con last week. I've never done a Comic-Con. It was fucking crazy, dude. You know what I mean? Be- you know what it is. Yeah, right? it's a severe, like, I mean, it's like a crazy fan culture. Yeah, and it's, it. like, yeah, weird yeah. because then you got all these celebrities there. You got Lou Diamond Phillips. You got fucking Edward J. Olmos. You got Corey Feldman was there. And you got all these crazy fans that want that remember you from the Goonies. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's all or, nostalgia for them. Exactly, yeah. So, but it was cool. You know, it was cool. It was kind of like a long, like, merch line for me. Because whenever I do, like, my tours, I always like to go out after and, like, take pictures with people. Mm-hmm. And then, so for this, the Comic-Con was, like, a, an all-day merch line. But you make money and people want to see your picture, want to take your picture, and it's, 
it's cool. It's all depend. It, in life, it really depends how you look at stuff. You know, you can look at it as like, this is a fucking nightmare. Or you can look at it and be like, wow, this is awesome. People want to take my picture and they're paying me to be here. So, yeah, and that you've permeated the culture and that, you know, you've had an impact on their childhood, that you're part of their nostalgia, part of yeah. their memories in yeah. a way. You have to understand something. There was a point in my career where I was bigger than anyone. You know what I mean? Like, I was young. I was on MTV. I was starring in films. I was starring on HBO specials. And I was doing albums. All simultaneously. All simultaneously at the same time. And, you know, and it was like, that's, you know what I mean? That wave, that hit. And that's part of the reason why I fucking crashed and burned, too, is because I hit so hard at that time. And I think the real reason why I crashed and burned it's 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 definitely my fault because i come from a place of like just wanting to work you know my come from every day is like i just want to do shit all the time you know i want to do a podcast i want to do you know a documentary i want to do my stand-up i want to write sketches i just want to do everything and instead of thinking like hey you know what if you do this then something bad's gonna happen i didn't think like that so like when i got offered to do jury duty you know in the army now yeah. these films I didn't think they were going to be bad. I didn't go into it going, oh, these are going to eat shit and it's not going to be good for my career. You know, but my management was going, don't do this. Let's just chill. But I'm like, no, like these are funny films. Like I want to work. Like my, my manager <clears throat> actually made me sign a piece of paper saying when jury duty tanks, don't blame me. Mm. <clears throat> I'd love to find that piece of paper. <laughs> Were they trying to steer you to do Away other from it. types yeah. of projects? Well, though? just take a break. Just take a break. Let yeah. it sit, let all the success kind of sizzle. Yeah, yeah, see what happens. Yeah, and I fucked up. You know what I mean? I totally fucked up. I wasn't listening, but I wasn't on drugs. It wasn't all it was that. It was just like I wanted to work and I wanted to have fun. I was doing some bad things. I was like showing up with Anna Nicole Smith at things and Cato Kalin. I went to the premiere of Jury Duty with as a as a goof. And that was around was the O.J. Simpson yeah. trial. Yeah, and I thought around. it was funny, and it was, but it's also like kind of um, classless as well. You know what I mean? But I wasn't thinking like that. I was in my 20s, and I just like, oh, fuck it. It'll be hilarious. So to you, it was always about the, the doing of things. Having fun. Yeah, having yeah, fun. Yeah. It wasn't, the, you weren't thinking strategically no. like a chess game. No. Thinking about your career uh -uh. in that sense at all. And that was my biggest fuck up. Going to today and you know some of the stuff you're working on, the Poly Shore podcast show, which I, I remember listening to that originally, and now you have the video series on Crackle. Mm. Uh, so what were, you know, from the interviews I've seen and from the ones I've listened to, they're very intimate conversations. Mm. And was it key for you to really focus on people that you knew that you were comfortable with in a way to be on the show mm, i kind of look you know when i was putting it together i just look at my rolodex you know the people that i have that i'm friends with and i just start putting it together um so it wasn't like oh i'm gonna judd apatow and i'm gonna you know i just kind of like once i got it and once i started doing it, i'm like okay who you know what i mean yeah and then i just start booking it myself yeah, yeah. well like brett ratner's on there you guys you know you go back a long way yeah well, yeah it's a good episode did you hear the brett ratner one yeah i did that was a great one and, uh, <laughs> the video is uh, really good too oh is the that coming, on coming out of crackle yeah 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 the, the video's uh, cool yeah and then listening to some of them recently too the gary shandling episode mm. which was really you know I mean, yeah she, he had a, a you know he was at the comedy store that was really where he developed and yeah you guys, i remember it like it was yesterday and you guys knew each other for years is that very well very well i love gary yeah he was the best yeah I mean, he was before 
fucking what's his name um, yeah Larry Sanders before Kirby Enthusiasm yeah. had such an influence yeah before show. Seinfeld before all yeah. that shit and I used to do his show back in the 90s that's when yeah. the, you the were Gary on uh, It's Gary Shandling yeah show. it was yeah. great it was awesome yeah where you really kind of broke down you know a sitcom and it was very meta I think it was on Showtime it was back great then. Yeah. it was great I loved you know I loved the thing that was really cool for me is when I did make it in the 90s it was really nice for me to be on all these comedian shows. So it was like Arsenio, I had a huge relationship with him. David Letterman, I had a huge relationship with him. Uh, Jay Leno, I had a relationship with him. Uh, uh, Gary Shanling. So it was like, I wasn't just on as a star or as like this guy that was promoting like a movie. I was also Mitzi's son that they grew up with. Yeah. And it meant a lot to me to be on Letterman, a lot. It was very emotional for me because you know letterman was the the cream of the crop he was the number one period and i'm talking before cbs i'm talking about the nbc the 1230 NBC show, show. Yeah. yeah it was the fucking best there was something so cool about it. it was like what conan tried to do when he had that slot you know what i mean yeah People at the time saw that even above being on Carson. Hundred percent. Show you had to be on. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. It was the coolest fucking show. It was rock and roll. It was late night. David Letterman didn't give a shit. Do you know what I mean? It was fucking yeah. kind of indie vibe, but mainstream at the same time. Yeah, and his take on the show was, you know, Carson was very old school. I mean, Letterman was just, you know, breaking boundaries and trying to do new things. He was funny. He was the funniest. I think at that time. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think going yeah. into CBS and you know Leno versus Letterman at the time. I always thought Len Letterman was always more innovative, always more interesting. No comparison. But Leno kept Leno kept winning. He was Mr. Yeah. Hollywood though, Leno. He was like a he'd be good to run for president. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> very political. Well, what are some of the other episodes you have coming up on Crackle for the show? Um, well, every week is a different one. So this week is Damon John from Shark Tank. You know, he's the, 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 the guy in Shark Tank. And then it just goes, I don't know, every week is a different episode. So Yeah. I yeah. remember the podcast you used to do where you would have on a guest and then you would have commentary right after. Yeah. I thought that was so did. interesting. Like, yeah. the, uh, you did one with Andy Dick. Oh, yeah. And his son did the commentary after. Yeah. And it was yeah. so, or actually, it was sort of like interspersed. Yeah. And it was so bizarre to listen to that, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was like, again, like, I always kind of like, Whenever I do anything, I always, you know, I always go like, fuck, I got to do something different. So I don't know. It's just the concept that I came up with was, you know, it'd be cool to interview someone and then have someone comment on the interview, you know? Yeah. And that was kind of like, but then the person that's commenting on the interview has something to do with that person. So for instance, like I interviewed like Carrot Top and then I had Larry the Cable Guy comment on it because I didn't know that they were friends. Uh, do you know what I mean? No, you like, wouldn't even think no, that on the surface. Carrot Top, Larry the Cable Yeah, guy. so they started together, I guess, in like Florida years ago. So, but um, yeah, but it was one of those things like, you know, these things that you guys do or that I do, the podcast things, like that's a lot of fucking work. I mean, you know, calling, emailing, get, trying to get people. Coordinating. Like, coordinating thing, all yeah. that shit. It's like, you know, that's why I have the new one, which I actually like, which is the rants. Yeah. Where I just kind of straight speak to the audience. Because then I don't need anyone. I can just go straight to my fans. 
uh, you, just know, you directly doing to my monologues. fans, yeah. yeah. And it's kind of like random rants, which is just like me randomly ranting on different things. It could be personal, it could be, you know, observational, it could be, you know, whatever. Uh, sort of looking back and looking to the future, what are the things that you're most excited about? Well, I'm excited. My friend Benji, um, Benji uh, Aflalo and Esther, they have a new show on Freeform which is a network. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Uh, I think there used to be ABC Family. Yeah. Right? yeah. So I'm doing a, a guest lead on that show next week. I'm excited about that because Benji wrote me in there to play myself. Polly Shore retired, living in an apartment. Um, everything's cool. You know, my <laughs> life's cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like I've made a lot of money and I've sold all, you know, I got a little property and I'm just kind of retired now. This is where Polly Shore lives. He lives in this apartment and Benji's, I guess the premise is that Benji um, works for his brother and Chris D'Elia plays that role and um, Benji kind of runs an apartment complex which is kind of based off of his life and it's actually a really good good show and um, you know he sent me the pilot I saw it and I'm like fuck this is good and you got Tamara Davis is directing it and um, so I'm excited about that I'm playing myself but it's a different version of myself. Um, so I got to rewrite a lot of that and help Benji with the script on that. And then I shot another pilot for um, these guys that did Californication. Um, and that was cool. That was with a whole bunch of kind of obscure actors. And that came, and that I'm not playing myself. I play this other character. There's that. Um, and then what else? Oh, yeah. I did this sketch that I came up with called Silverlight Vice Squad that um, I, uh, Funnier Die produced, and it's with myself, Jay Moore, Tiffany Haddish, and Bobby Lee. And me and Jay Moore, we play, um, we play, uh, uh, we play undercover cops that dress up as hipsters in silver, like to bust a molly ring. <laughs> and Bobby Lee is like, he works at the, the juice bar that's also fronting as like a, a molly. You know, and yeah. Tiffany Haddish, she plays the, the chief of police. So I shot most of that sketch already. Now we're just shooting with Tiffany in a couple of weeks. There's that. I don't know. I have a whole bunch of stuff. And then the documentary stuff and podcast episodes every week, you know. So yeah. I don't know. And I'm going to Portland this weekend and do some shows. Uh, I'm stoked on that. And then Denver. Uh, and you love to be on the road. Do you, yeah. Do you enjoy doing that yeah. pretty consistently? Yeah. Not married, no kids, you know. So it's I can go when I want, you know. Yeah. Is it something that you still feel love for? That mm -hmm. you feel like you're? Do you feel like you're getting better at it over time? Or I think just, so. So it's just like a muscle for you in a way. Yeah, and it's also a way to get love. You know, I mean, when you you basically walk in a room and everyone's there to see you, and that's like a really amazing feeling, right? Yeah. It's kind of like having a party for you every night. Yeah, especially yeah. since, you know, they're there, they know the movies, they know you, and, you know, you're there to bring yeah. light to their life. I feel more life. comfortable going on stage in front of my audience than I do at the comedy store. Because mm -hmm. the comedy store, I have to navigate my shit through the people that are there. Because the people that are there, they didn't come to see me. Maybe a, a small handful, but they came to the comedy store to see several comedians. Yeah. Right? But when I go out on stage to see to just do my stuff, they're just there to see me, so I feel way more comfortable. 